Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. funny thing happened in Darlington, Maryland several years ago. Edith, a mother of eight, was coming home from a neighbor's house one Saturday afternoon. As she walked into the house, she saw five of her youngest children huddled together, concentrating with intense interest on something. As she slipped near them, trying to discover the center of attraction, she couldn't believe her eyes, smack dab in the middle, Of the circle were several baby skunks. She screamed at the top of her voice, Children, run! And each kid grabbed the skunk and ran. (laughs) In this episode, we're going to look at a young man who took off and ran away. When the going got tough in the ministry, it was too much for him. And so he went back home. But we'll also see how he was later restored to the ministry after his failure and was greatly used of the Lord. The young man's name was John Mark. Acts chapter 12, verses 11 to 12 read, And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. It's not until Acts chapter 12 that we are introduced to Mark in your Bibles. In this chapter, we learn how Herod Agrippa I had put the apostle James to death. The Jews responded so enthusiastically to the the execution of James that Herod was encouraged to do the same thing with Peter, so he had Peter arrested and put in prison. Verse 5 in this chapter tells how prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for Peter. The saints of the kingdom church in Jerusalem prayed without ceasing for Peter to be delivered. The night before Herod was going to bring Peter before the Jews, Peter is miraculously delivered from prison by an angel. The place Peter goes immediately afterwards is the house of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered together still praying for Peter. It gets humorous after that. When Peter knocks at the door, one of the women present in the house named Rhoda goes to answer the door. When she just hears the voice of Peter outside, she doesn't answer the door. She leaves him outside and instead runs back and tells everyone, that Peter was here and he was outside. But they don't believe her. They think she's crazy. And they think it's a a spirit of Peter. And they don't believe that the very thing that they had been praying about, Peter's deliverance, that it had actually occurred. Meanwhile, Peter keeps on knocking on the door until finally they all came and saw him for themselves. It had been easier for Peter to get out of prison than it was to get into that house. We learn that John Mark lived and was raised in a home where they believed in Christ as Israel's Messiah and the Son of God. 
his devout mother's home had become a meeting place for believers in Jerusalem at that time to gather together to pray. So John Mark had this influence around him from his youth, being deeply influenced for Christ by his mother, by the Jerusalem church, by Peter, and as we'll go on to see, by Barnabas. Acts chapter 12, verse 25 reads, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. So chapter 12 begins with Peter being released from prison in Jerusalem, and it ends with Paul and Barnabas leaving Jerusalem for Antioch in Syria. In chapter 11, we learn why Paul and Barnabas had been in Jerusalem. A great famine had hit the world at that time. The church in Antioch then determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. Chapter 11, verses 29 to 30 read. This delivery of the relief was the ministry that Barnabas and Saul fulfilled, as it says here in verse 25. They then returned from Jerusalem to Antioch, and they took with them John, whose surname was Mark. John Mark was family to Barnabas. Colossians 4.10 tells us that Mark was the sister's son to Barnabas. So he was Barnabas' nephew, or possibly his cousin, according to the original Greek. It's something for you to study out. Regardless of what relation it was, Barnabas and John Mark were family. And this explains why Barnabas and Paul took Mark with them to Antioch. Barnabas must have recognized uh, something in John Mark. He trusted him. He recognized his experience with the church in Jerusalem of, of John Mark's personal knowledge of Peter and his desire to serve the Lord. So he likely convinced Paul that John Mark would be useful to them and that they should take him back with them to serve in the ministry among the church in Antioch. And Mark was willing to go. He was willing to leave home and all that he knew in Jerusalem. And he travels north with Paul and Barnabas to Antioch in Syria, which was nearly 300 miles away. Acts 13, verses 4 to 6 read, So they, being sent forth by the Holy Spirit, departed into Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogue of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through the isle into Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew, whose name was Bar-Jesus. In Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas are separated by the Holy Spirit for the work he had called them, which was to take the gospel of the grace of God far hence to the Gentiles. And the church at Antioch fasted, prayed, laid hands on them, and sent them away on Paul's first apostolic journey. John Mark went with them as their assistant. He was there to do whatever was needed. Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark travel 16 miles uh, to a seaport in Seleucia. And then they sail to the island in the Mediterranean called Cyprus. Landing at Salamis on the east coast of Cyprus, they visited various synagogues and preached the word in them. 
John Mark no doubt helped Barnabas and Paul in many ways, relieving them of tasks and details so they could focus on the preaching of the word. From Salamis, they worked their way across the entire length of the island to Paphos on the other side of Cyprus. Here, they are confronted with a sorcerer and false prophet who withstood them and was a vicious opponent of Paul and of the gospel of grace. When he attempted to keep a man named Sergius Paulus from hearing the truth and believing the gospel, Acts 13 verses 9 through 10 tells us what happens next. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O fool of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord. Following this, Paul blinded the man for a season. Now, I imagine John Mark is a young man that his eyes are probably big as saucers watching this take place and uh, this confrontation. So the journey begins with this strong opposition and intimidating confrontation. And it was a challenging and frightening threat from the enemy. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. Acts, Dispensationally Considered, Volume 1, is a hardcover 560-page commentary written by Pastor Cornelius R. Stamm and covers Acts 1-1 through 1535. Acts is the most fascinating book of the Bible and at the same time the most important key to the understanding of God's dealings with man today. It is impossible to rightly divide the word of truth without an understanding of the book of Acts, and the confusion in the church today is matched exactly by her confusion over this book. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.BereanBibleSociety.org To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.BereanBibleSociety.org Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. Acts 13, verse 13 reads, Now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga and Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, them, returned to Jerusalem. It was advertised that the devil was going to put his tools up for sale. On the date of the sale, the tools were placed for public inspection, each being marked with its sale price. There were a treacherous lot of implements, hatred, envy, jealousy, doubt, lying, pride, and so on. Laid apart from the rest of the pile was a harmless-looking tool, well-worn and priced very high. The name of the tool, asked one of the purchasers. Oh, said the adversary, that's discouragement. Why have you priced it so high? The devil answered, because it's more useful to me than the others. I can pry open and get inside a person's heart with that one when I cannot get near him with other tools. Now once I get inside, I can make them do what I choose. It's a badly worn tool, 
because I use it on almost everyone, since few people know that it belongs to me. The devil's price for discouragement was so high, he never sold it. It's still his major tool and an effective tool in Satan's arsenal. And he uses discouragement constantly on God's people. Many have been casualties in the spiritual warfare due to to discouragement and have even left the ministry as a result. This tool of the devil worked effectively with John Mark. John Mark had become discouraged. When they reached Perga, he couldn't take it anymore. The journey had taken the heart out of him. Ministry had been tougher than he expected, and all of it was too much. The daunting resistance to the gospel from Bar-Jesus and Paphos, the uncertainty of what opposition might be next and around the corner, the danger and difficulty of travel into unknown territories, and probably being homesick, all of these things likely combined to discourage and overwhelm Mark. The record states very plainly that John just left and departed from them and returned to Jerusalem. It supplies no reason for him suddenly leaving. He just goes AWOL. He abandons the mission. He abandons Paul. He abandons Barnabas. And he failed to finish the task. He runs away from the mission field by himself and travels either over 500 miles by boat or over 750 miles by land back to Jerusalem. He leaves. He doesn't go back to Antioch. Not, he doesn't go back to the church where he had been sent, where he had been serving. He goes for his home in Jerusalem. He goes back to the familiar, back to his mother, back to his family, back to his friends. Paul and Barnabas continued on without John Mark and completed their first missionary journey sharing the gospel of grace throughout Gentile territory in places like Antioch of Pisidia, Lystra, Derby, and Iconium. They boldly preached Christ, and many were saved as a result. Acts 13.49 says, And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. Afterwards, after this journey, they returned back to Antioch and Syria, where they began. And later, they decided to go on a second apostolic journey, and this led to a problem over John Mark. Acts chapter 15 Verses 36 to 41 read, And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them But they departed asunder one from another, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. The trouble begins here when Paul proposed that he and Barnabas visit their brethren in every one of the cities where they had preached the word on their first apostolic journey, to see how they were doing. In this, we get a glimpse of the apostles' concern over the people he ministered to and led to the Lord, which is so often expressed and easily seen just by reading Paul's epistles. Barnabas concurred with Paul, except that he was determined to take John Mark with them again. 
Paul, on the other hand, felt it would be wrong to take him with him as a helper and worker because he had departed from them and went not with them to the work, as he puts it there in verse 38. He did not finish the work yet before them of preaching the gospel on that journey. Whatever reason John Mark gave for departing from them, Paul did not accept it as a valid reason. His excuse for leaving was not a good excuse in Paul's mind, and he feared that he would do it again. He didn't trust him. He didn't consider Mark reliable enough to take and to depend on. Paul later wrote Timothy in 2 Timothy, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. John Mark had not endured hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. To Paul, he was a, a deserter, a soldier who fled in the middle of battle and abandoned his post. And Paul refused to allow Mark to join them on the second journey because he might desert them again. In the disagreement, neither would yield to the other. Barnabas would not go without Mark, and Paul would not go with Mark. And Barnabas, a man known for his ability to encourage and console, refused to allow his family member to remain a casualty of his past. Barnabas saw him as a useful man and was willing to give him another opportunity. Mark had a faithful relative here who did not give up on him when he stumbled and failed. And when you consider both sides of the argument, it's hard to take a side because you can see valid points on both sides of the argument. The contention is so sharp between these two old friends, Paul and Barnabas, that they decided to separate from each other. Barnabas taking Mark, who was willing to go, and sailing again to Cyprus, where they had gone on their first journey, and Paul choosing Silas and traveling by land through Syria in Cilicia. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 10 reads, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you, and Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom ye received commandments. If he come unto you, receive him. On September 23, 1908, at the Polo Grounds in New York City, there were two outs in the bottom of the ninth inning. The New York Giants and the Chicago Cubs were battling for the National League pennant, and the score was tied at 1-1. One to one. The Giants had two men on base, 19-year-old Fred Merkel on first and Moose McCormick on third. Al Bridwell slapped a single up the middle, scoring McCormick. The game seemed to be over, but instead of tagging second base, Fred Merkel trotted off the field to the Giants' locker room. The Cubs threw the ball to second, forcing out Merkel, thus the run didn't count. The Giants then proceeded to lose the pennant, and Fred Merkel picked up the name Bonehead Merkel. But that's not the end of the story either with Fred Merkel. Fred Merkel got another chance. He went on to play for 14 seasons, including five times in the World Series. Fred Merkel made a bonehead mistake but then went on to have a very good and solid major league career and played well for a number of teams. Likewise, John Mark made a bonehead mistake leaving Paul and Barnabas on the mission field, but he didn't allow his mistake 
to keep him from carrying out a very fruitful ministry for Christ. We probably all have made bonehead mistakes in the Lord's service, but we should not allow that from keeping us from serving our Savior. It's been rightly said that God uses people who fail because there aren't any other kind around. John Mark is an example to all of us of God using imperfect people, which is encouraging and should be encouraging to know for all of us because none of us are perfect in practice. God can use any of us. God's invitation to salvation is for everyone, and his invitation for service in the church is likewise for every single believer in the church, the body of Christ. Some of God's most fruitful and faithful laborers are people like John Mark who have known failure and who have triumphed over it by faith and faithfulness. God uses common, ordinary, everyday, imperfect people to serve Him and make His truth known, and He does so so there's no mistaking the source of our power, that it's not of us, that it's all of God, and thus He rightly gets the glory that is due Him. John Mark's early failure was a flaw, but it was not fatal. He lived to serve again, you could say. After Acts 15 and his trip to Cyprus with Barnabas, John Mark disappears. And he's not mentioned until years later during Paul's first Roman imprisonment when he wrote letters to the Colossian church and to Philemon. In Colossians 4, Paul lists the names of those who are with him during his imprisonment and who send their greetings to the Colossian church from Rome. And one of those names who Paul lists as sending his greetings is Marcus, or John Mark. In the epistle to Philemon, which accompanied this letter of Colossians to Colossae, Uh, Paul sends greetings to Philemon from a number of people, and one of them was Marcus, who Paul calls, he adds something there to his name, my fellow laborer. Paul's attitude toward Mark had changed. Around 10 years earlier, he saw him as an unreliable runaway, someone he could not trust to take with him on his second missionary journey. Now Paul saw him as a co-worker one of the hard workers in the gospel ministry. And the one-time defector is now listed as an honored part of Paul's ministry. Mark had changed as a result of time, growth, and maturity in the Lord. Mark had been given another chance, and he jumped on it, and he proved himself to be dependable, and he had regained the confidence of the Apostle Paul. Mark proved himself to be a faithful servant of the Lord, after his early failure. In Colossians 4.10, Paul writes to the church of the possibility of John Mark coming to the Colossian church. The church in Colossae evidently knew of Mark's failure and abandonment of Paul in the past, and word had been given to that church that should he come to them, they should receive him or welcome him with open arms. Now Mark is extolled by the Apostle Paul as a man who is to be received and welcomed by the church, who is to be warmly embraced. And he tells the Colossian believers to accept this man because he was an accepted companion and co-laborer with Paul. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9-11 to read, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. 
For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Now, a number of years after Paul's first Roman imprisonment, during his second Roman imprisonment, at the end of his life, with his execution at hand, Paul writes again about John Mark. As all these years go by, this shows that Mark was remaining faithful to the Lord. And as Paul says, that moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And Mark was being faithful. Paul writes Timothy and tells him to do his best. And he says, do thy diligence. Uh, to come to see him in Rome. He writes of ones who had been unfaithful and who left the ministry and left Paul in his hour of need, Demas, Crescens, and Titus. Paul once again had been wounded by the desertion of his companions. He tells Timothy that only Luke was with him in Rome. Like Demas, Crescens, and Titus, Mark had left Paul in his hour of need many years earlier. But that was the past. A change, a transformation, had taken place in Mark's life. And coming to see him in Rome, Timothy is told by Paul, pick up Mark along the way. The same Mark who had once been untrustworthy and had abandoned Paul on his first missionary journey, he tells him, pick him up because he's now profitable. And he trusted Mark now to not leave him. And so Paul asked Timothy, please, when you come, pick up Mark along the way. Mark was with Paul in his first Roman imprisonment and had been a comfort and help to him. And he was so much help and comfort that he wanted him back in his second and final Roman imprisonment here at the end of his life. Paul wanted to see Timothy again, and he wanted to see Mark again. The apostle who had once refused Mark as a traveling companion chooses him now to be with him as one of his companions in the last days of his life prior to his death. John Mark's runaway stories, story is one of the greatest stories of restoration in ministry. And his remarkable comeback is capped with the fact that he was even given the high privilege of writing the third book of your New Testament, the Gospel of Mark. Paul writes that he was profitable to him for the ministry, and you and I find him profitable for the ministry as well. He is profitable from the encouragement he gives us of his testimony in failing in the ministry, picking himself up, and being a faithful and useful servant of the Lord. And he is profitable to us because we find him profitable every time you and I open our Bibles, turn to the Gospel of Mark to read the Word of God about the Lord's earthly ministry to Israel. Mark was transformed by grace, and by the grace of God, the Lord used his life in a powerful way as the Lord can do with each one of us. Thank you for watching this episode of Transformed by Grace. Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. 
We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.